Welcome to the FBC Moberly Sermon Podcast. This sermon looks at Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40, and the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. And it's really a story of God's guidance and God's goodness. And it's a story that reminds us that we can be used by God if we trust and obey what he calls us to do. What you're going to see today are two things. You'll see that the Lord will place you in unique situations. If you obey the call of the Lord on your life, he'll put you in unique situations. And secondly, the Lord will present you with gospel conversations. The Lord is the Lord and he tells us where to go, what to do and what to say. And we must be obedient to do that. That's exactly what Philip did, as you'll find out today. So grab your Bibles, open them to Acts chapter 8 and follow along to the message entitled Water in the Desert, the strange yet wonderful call of God on your life. All right, my friends, if you have your Bibles, let me invite you to open them to Acts chapter 8. And while you're turning there, question for you, how many of you use your uh, cell phone as a GPS when you travel somewhere? Yeah, yeah. You know, in Deuteronomy, um, God said, I set before you blessings and curses. And I wonder if he was holding an iPhone (laughs) when he said that. This thing is a blessing and a curse, isn't it? A few years ago, I was headed to St. Louis, and um, I don't remember why, but I remember I had my phone guide me to the location. I do that even if I know where I'm going, because I like to win, right? The GPS says, you'll get there at 7.53, and I say, no, I won't. I'll get there at 7.45, watch and see, right? So I had my GPS set, and I was heading to St. Louis, and I was between uh, Warrington and Wentzville on I-70, and my phone did this stupid thing that drives me crazy. It said, uh, there's an accident up ahead. You need to reroute for a quicker time. But I'm telling you, it was wide open. I mean, the interstate was flowing smooth. There was no accident up ahead. So I ignored Siri. I ignored her. She ain't gonna tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live my life, Siri, right? And I kept on going. And so she did it again, rerouting. There's an accident up ahead. You need to take this route to save the most amount of time. And I just knew at that point that Siri was aware that I had been competing with Siri, trying to beat her on my GPS race. And so I thought, she's not going to win today. Not today, not today. So I kept going. And that's when it happened, right? (laughs) Brake lights lit up in front of me like the 4th of July. I mean, just... And I sat there for an hour in traffic. You know what I did for that hour in traffic? I scrolled on my stupid phone, and my stupid phone, it was almost like it was taunting me, right? Like, I won this round. I won this race. It's one thing to be told something. It is another thing to trust the source that is telling you. On that day, I did not trust the source. I did not trust Siri. I thought that she was tricking me, but she wasn't, and I paid the price. Today, I want you to see from God's Word, from the Bible, that God is nothing like Siri. Amen? God is nothing like our cell phones. He is nothing like our phones. You can trust God when He tells you to do something. And today, I want you to see that from Acts chapter 8. I want you to see why you can trust God and why you should do what He tells you. Don't ignore Him like I ignored my GPS on on that day. Today, we finally, oh my goodness, finally, we get to some good news in the book of Acts. It feels like over the last several weeks, we've just been going through the ringer, doesn't it? I mean, we dealt with the suffering of the apostles when, 
when they were flogged. Do you remember that sermon? And we talked about how to suffer well. And then we saw Stephen stand up and preach a, a, a wonderful sermon, but then cost him his life, and he was martyred for his faith. And then we saw the church being persecuted. And you're probably wondering, like, my goodness, it's like every sermon is bad news. Is there any good news in the book of Acts? There is good news in the book of Acts, and we get to it today in Acts chapter 8. What I love about the Bible, and what I love, one of the things I love about the Bible in the book of Acts is that it does not ignore the hard parts of life. We see that, right? We see in Acts chapter 5 and 6 and 7, the hard parts of life. We see this picture that life is both uh, a challenge and a struggle, but there's also great mountaintop victories. And today we come to the mountaintop, and I want you to introduce you to a man from Ethiopia. A man from Ethiopia who was on a journey. And what you'll get to see today is the strange yet wonderful call of God on your life. Two outcomes of God's call on your life and one gigantic reason why you should trust the Lord when he tells you what to do, even if it doesn't make sense. With that in mind, let's pray, bow our heads, close our eyes, humble our hearts, and ask God to bless our time together. God, I thank you for the day. I thank you for the privilege of preaching your word, and I pray, God, that you would be glorified through the preaching of your word. I pray you would take my words and um, use them however you see fit. We pray you would accomplish your will through the simple preaching of the word. Your work here would be accomplished to your glory alone. We pray that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 8, verses 26, two outcomes of God's call on your life. If you trust the Lord and do what He tells you to do, you will discover that the Lord will place you in unique situations. We began preaching in the book of Acts in January, January 1st. And we, we went through uh, verse by verse. We've gone through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Acts. Now, I'm a planned kind of a guy, and so I like to plan and pray and prepare my sermon calendar months and months and months ahead. And there have been several times where I thought, man, we can get through you know, this section of verses in a sermon when we only get through that section of verses, only a little bit of, of, the, of the verses, which means that I have to frequently adjust my sermon calendar. So in January... We began preaching through the book of Acts. Today is May 21st, five and a half months of adjusting my sermon calendar. And in God's good providence, he brings us to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. On the Sunday before, a group of us will gather and head on the desert road. And you say, well, that's a weird introduction. Yep. Look in your Bibles, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. The Bible says this, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is, what does your Bible say? The desert road. <laughs> Man, I love it when the Lord does that, right? It's like a high five from heaven, right? It's like he, like he knew long ago, he knew in January that we were going to land on Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And he knew that it would be the Sunday before we send a group of people south on the desert road. I love when the Lord sends high five from heaven, don't you? Last week we saw Philip who was in the Samaritan town. He was preaching the gospel. And verse 26 tells us that they went back to Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem in verse 26. So Philip in Jerusalem in verse 26 is surrounded by 
people. He's surrounded by a town. And praise the Lord, he is surrounded by water. <laughs> and you think, that's a weird thing. Well, it would soon become important because the Lord tells him to go down to Jerusalem on the road to the desert to Gaza. Do you know what's in the desert? Nothing. <laughs> There's no people. There's no, well, there might be some cactuses. Yeah, you know why cactuses are in the desert? Because the desert hasn't figured out how to kill it yet. <laughs> there's, there's nothing in the desert, right? Deserts are desolate places where the only constant is dryness and a vast display of wide open nothingness. And the Holy Spirit tells Philip to leave Jerusalem and head south to the place of destitution and dryness. This was a unique call. And I love Philip's response. Look at verse 27. The Bible says, so he got up and went. <laughs> I love that, right? I mean, listen, the Lord is not your phone giving you GPS instructions. And we praise God for that for sure. And our response ought to be the same as Philip's. When God tells us to do something, we ought to do what God tells us to do. God told Philip, get up and head south to the desert. And Philip got up and headed south to the desert. Get up and go. He got up and went. No indication of any kind of argument. No indication of any kind of talk back. He didn't argue with God the way I argued with Siri that day. He just got up and went. And look at what happens along the way. The strange call of God placed Philip in a very unique situation. Look at verse 27 and 28. The Bible says there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. Do you see that in your Bible? Verse 27 and 28. I mean, talk about a high five from heaven. Philip just got his high five, his high five from heaven, right? Go down south to the desert road. And when he goes down south, he sees the Ethiopian traveling down, reading the book of Isaiah. Can you picture this, this scene in your mind? Philip, on the desert road, sees a, a convoy, likely a convoy, heading his way. Dust is flying. Sand is going everywhere. Horses are plodding along. And he looks up and he notices, this, this guy's kind of a big deal. He must be a, a high official. You could likely tell because there was likely a convoy. He was in charge, we find out, of the treasury of, queen of, of the Queen of Ethiopia. In American politics, we would say that he was the treasury secretary. Our treasury secre secretary today is Janet Yellen. Under the Trump administration, it was uh, Steve Mnuchin. Just to give you a context, it's not an exact equivalent, but to, just to give you an idea, this Ethiopian was a big deal to the people in Ethiopia. He was a high official in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. He was something. He was somebody. And Philip sees him on the desert road reading a scroll. <laughs> the book of Isaiah. High five. <laughs> right? High five from heaven. Philip trusted the Lord, did what the Lord told him to do, and now, what's that guy who used to say, this is the rest of the story? What's that guy's name? Now, I knew you would know. Paul Harvey. 
Just like Paul Harvey, the Lord shows him the rest of the story. Here's a question for you. Has the Lord ever asked you to do something that you thought was a little strange? That you thought you could not possibly do? Maybe he's asked you to talk to your coworker about Christ. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. Maybe he's asked you to serve in vacation Bible school. Where's Susan? Maybe he's asked you to serve in vacation Bible school and you think, oh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Maybe he's asked you to serve with the youth group, Michael, and you think, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Maybe he's asked you to come on staff and work with Brian Veal and you think, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Or maybe he's asked you to go on mission to a desert place like Juarez or to the jungles of Myanmar where we will go later this year. And you think, whew, I don't know if I can do that. And maybe you're in a season of life right now, right in this moment, where the Lord is asking you to do something and you think, whew, I don't know, Lord. I think you've called the wrong person. Like, you know what that thing is. I don't know what it is, but you know what that thing is. And as I've been talking, it's come to your mind. And you know that the Lord is asking you to do something, and you just don't know if you can do it. And let me remind you that knowing God means doing what He says. To know God means that you do what He says. Jesus said in John 14, 21, the one who has my commands and keeps them. The one who has my commands and do what they say, this is the one who loves me. You can know a whole lot about God and still not know God. You can know a whole lot about the Bible and still be lost. You can know a whole lot about all of the doctrines of the Bible, but still not know the one who wrote the Bible. You have to do what God has asked you to do obedience. When you do what God tells you to do, you are demonstrating that you trust the one who is telling you to do it. Even if it's unique, even if it's strange, even if it doesn't make sense, you trust him. So the question is, what's he asking you to do? Is he asking you to tell someone about Jesus? Is he asking you to surrender your life to serve him in ministry or on mission? Is he asking you to give up that persistent sin that plagues you? Is he asking you to do something strange? Something you feel like is just out of the ordinary? Listen, if he's telling you to do it, he will help you accomplish it. If he's giving you the instruction, he will help you do the thing that he is asking you to do. And when you say, I don't know if I can do that, you're partially right. You can't apart from the Lord. But with the Lord, all things are possible. Amen? Yeah. You cannot do it on your own. But in the journey of obedience, you learn total dependence. In the journey of obeying God, when He calls you to do unique things, odd things, things that you may not fully understand, when He calls you to do those things and you obey, you learn total dependence upon God. And listen to me, I promise you, total dependence upon God is the best place to be in the world, even if it lands you in the middle of the dry, desolate desert. 
Philip trusted God, and he was totally dependent upon God. And he did what God told him to do. Get up and go, so he got up and went. And he finds himself in a unique situation. And if you trust the Lord, you will find yourself in unique situations. But secondly, you will also find that the Lord will provide you with gospel conversations. Our mission team on Saturday morning at 5 a.m. Whoo, that's early. Somebody say that's early. You agree with me? No, that's not. Kevin's like, no, I'm up at 4 o'clock every morning. What time did you get up this morning, Kevin? 3. 5 a.m. on Sunday, our mission team will be here at the parking lot, and they will pile in vans. I think you said 43. Uh, From our group, from our church, we have 10. Is that correct? 43 people from various churches around our, our area will pile in a van, and uh, I'm confident you're going to use GPS, aren't you? If, if GPS tells you there's an accident up ahead, just listen to it. Just trust me on that one. They're going to drive 16 hours south to Juarez, Mexico, and man, I am praying that on the way that they are presented with gospel conversations, with opportunities to have gospel conversations. They're going to stop in Tulsa for lunch. They're going to stop in where? Plainview, Texas, Saturday night. And then on Sunday morning, they're going to get up and drive into El Paso. I'm going to fly in, so I'm going to miss all of that, but I'm still praying that the Lord would provide me with gospel conversations on the flight to El Paso. That's what we're about. God, give us gospel, give us opportunities to have gospel conversations just like he did with Philip here in Acts chapter 8. The Lord gave Philip a direct command. Get up and go south. Go to the desert road. And Philip said yes. Philip was obedient in the little thing. And then God rewarded him with the bigger thing. The little thing was going. The big thing was the gospel conversation that he was going to have. Look in your Bibles. Verse 29 through 31, the Bible says this. The Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. And look at verse 30. I love the first part. When Philip ran up to it, do you see that? You see the picture there? Philip sees them from a distance. The Spirit says, go to the chariot. And then, I'm not going to run. Y'all thought I was going to run, didn't you? I'm not going to run. But you can imagine Philip just running up to the chariot. And as he's running, look at verse 31. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, how can I, he said, unless someone guides me. (laughs) So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. High five from heaven. There it was again. As, As Philip's running, he hears him reading the prophet Isaiah. And I love the simplicity of Philip's question. Look at it. Look in your Bible. The simplicity of his question. Verse 30, the end of verse 30. Do you, do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> in other words, Philip runs the chariot and says, do you get it? Like, do, do, do you get it? Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopians answer, how can I unless someone guides me? Philip needed... <laughs> Not to be too corny, but Philip needed a GPS to guide him in his understanding of Scripture. And that's kind of an odd word, isn't it? How can someone, how how can I understand unless someone guides me? It's an interesting choice of words by Luke when he wrote this. Turn in your Bibles real quick. I want you to make this connection. Turn in your Bibles real quick to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. When you're there, say I'm there. If you're not there, say, hold up. Got a couple hold ups. 
Oh, now if you're listening on the radio, nobody's holding us up. I should clarify that. <laughs> Cops will come in here in a minute. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 16. Just before his betrayal and his crucifixion, Jesus was talking to his disciples about the future. And in John 16 verse 7, look in your Bibles, John 16 verse 7, he tells them that he's soon going to return to the Father, that he would ascend to the Father. And when he does, he told them that he would send the promised Holy Spirit. Now we see that, right? In Acts chapter 1, we saw Jesus ascending to the Father. In Acts chapter 2, we see Jesus sending the promised Holy Spirit. But Jesus in John 16 goes on to say this, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will, this is verse 13 by the way, John 16 verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you. Your translation may say teach. The Greek word there is guide. He will guide you in all the truth. Acts chapter 1, he ascends. Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes. And then for the rest of the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit leading the church to do things that the church never thought they could do. We see the Holy Spirit leading the church to go to unique places in unique situations to share the gospel with people. And now we come to Acts chapter 8, verse 29. And we see the Holy Spirit guiding Philip to the desert, to the chariot. Run up to that chariot. He guided him to the chariot with one purpose so that Philip could guide the Ethiopian into the knowledge of who Jesus is and what Jesus did and why it matters. The Spirit, Jesus said, will guide you into all the truth. And now we see a real-life example of the Spirit guiding the church to guide the Ethiopian into the truth and knowledge of who Jesus is and what Jesus did and why it matters And it all started with one simple question. Do you get it? Do you you understand what you're reading? Do you know how simple that is? Think about your own life. Think about how simple it could be to have a gospel conversation with someone in your life. You don't have to have a PhD to share the gospel. In fact, in some cases, it's best if you don't. You don't need to have a PhD to share the gospel. You just need to be like Philip. Hey, do you get it? Do you understand what you're reading? Ask someone a simple question. What what do you believe about Jesus? And you say, well, that's not a simple question. It's simple. What do you believe about Jesus? Ask them, do you think heaven is real? Ask them, do you think prayer works? Ask them, would you like to... Get with me once a week and and maybe we can have coffee and study the Bible together. You don't don't have to have all the answers. Don't fool yourself. You'll never have all the answers. You know what you need to do? That old hymn, trust and obey. You need to trust and obey. Be sensitive to the Spirit's calling in your life and follow Him. When He tells you to go, go. And when He presents opportunities before you, Take them. Take the opportunity. Trust and obey. Look how the story comes together. Acts chapter 8, verses 32 through 34. The Bible says this. Now, the scripture passage he was reading was this. And by the way, it's from Isaiah chapter 53. 
The scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And look at verse 34. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? (laughs) Hey, look at me. High five from heaven right there. I mean, he just asked him, tell me about Jesus, right? Who is, who is Isaiah talking about? Is Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And look at what Philip says, verse 35. Philip then proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that very scripture. He started with Isaiah, but he finished with Jesus because the Bible is a book about Jesus, The Bible reveals who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and why it matters. Even in Isaiah, even in the Old Testament, there is a book about Jesus and it's called the Bible. And Philip, beginning with Isaiah, started with Isaiah and told him about the suffering one, the sheep that was was led to a slaughter, the lamb who was silent before its shearer. He told him about the gospel of Jesus. And look at what happens. Verses 36 through 38, the Bible says this. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's water. Which, by the way, where are they? Somebody tell me where they are. In the desert. This whole thing was organized by God. Every bit of it was organized by the Lord. Look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? Verse 38. So he ordered the chariot to stop. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, it is worth noting that if you're reading from the New King James, the King James, or the New American Standard Bible, you're probably wondering why I skipped verse 37. But I didn't skip it. Uh, It's just not there. It's not in the Christian Standard Bible, not in the New International Version, not in the ESV, not in the New Living Translation. And there's a really, really, really good reason for that. We don't have time to get into it today, but I would point you to our First Baptist Church Moberly Facebook page. I did like a 90-second video where you can find out why that verse is in some translations and missing in others. So go back to there and check that out uh, later today. Here's what I want you to see, though. Here's the point of this story with the Ethiopian eunuch. Last week, do you remember Simon the magician, right? Simon the magician. And we saw this picture of a man with a false faith. Philip had shared the gospel. The town came to know Christ. And Simon was a picture of someone who wanted to buy the gift of God for his own selfish gain. He was a picture of a man with a false faith. But today we see the the other side. We see the Ethiopian, the man who has the genuine saving faith. He put his faith and hope and trust in Christ And he was baptized there in the desert. I love, (laughs) I love the Bible. Amen. And with that, Philip's work in the desert was done. Look at verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Now, I don't know what that looked like. We don't really have any context. Did that mean he was instantly found himself somewhere else? I, I don't think so. 
I think he likely walked somewhere else. But nonetheless, the Bible says in verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer. But he went on his way rejoicing. So the question that we ask is, why was he rejoicing? He went from being confused to rejoicing. And the question is, why? Well, the answer is simple. Because somebody told him who Jesus was and what Jesus did and why it mattered. Because someone cared enough to go on the desert road south. And someone cared enough to ask him, do you get it? Do you understand what you're, what you're reading? And somebody cared enough to share the gospel with him. The good news that Jesus is alive and only Jesus can give life eternal. That's the message of the gospel, by the way. We are dead in our sins. Dead. And because of our sins, we have earned a ticket to hell. But God loves you so much. So very much. And He wants to spend forever with you. So He made a way that He could forgive you of your sins thus allowing you to be in His holy presence forever. In Christ, we see this, right? We see, we see the holy, perfect, sinless Son of God dying on a cross as a penalty for our sins. Blood was shed. Death occurred. God died. Jesus on the cross. But because of that, because of the cross, He paid the penalty of our sins. And at the resurrection, he defeated death. And now we get to wear the righteous robes of Christ. Our sin is covered. Our shame is gone. And we get to be in the presence of a holy God forever. For all eternity. All because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did and why it matters. And here, here's the picture of what God has called us to do today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21 Paul writes and says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making His appeal through us, we plead. You know what pleading looks like? Like we're begging you. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Verse 21, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words... Christ did what no one else could do. He lived a sinless life, dying on the cross, sacrificing His life for us so that He could give us what no one else can, the righteousness of God, an eternal life in heaven with Him, forgiveness of sin. Listen, if you don't know Christ, whether you're here in the room or listening on YouTube or Facebook or the podcast later, if you don't know Christ, I plead on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Yes. Repent of your sin. Yes. Trust in Christ and be saved. Hmm. The Ethiopian on that day was saved. He was heading home. I wonder, you know, he was in Jerusalem. I wonder if somebody had shared the gospel with him in Jerusalem. We don't know. All we know is that he was heading home 
reading Isaiah, wondering, what is this passage talking about? And God sent someone to him to guide him and show him that when Isaiah was speaking, that he was speaking about Christ. And on that day, he was saved. And great joy, the Bible says, great joy came to his life. And Philip's ministry in the desert was done. But his ministry wasn't done. In fact, look in your Bibles, verse 40. Verse 40 says, Philip appeared in Azotus, and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Philip left Jerusalem in obedience to God, went down south the desert road and shared the gospel with the Ethiopian. And then he went to a, a town called Azotus, and from there he went to Caesarea. And we don't hear from Philip again until the end of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 21, verse 8 to be specific. And guess where we find him in Acts 21, verse 8? Caesarea. He planted a life in Caesarea. Acts 21, 9 tells us he had four daughters. And Acts 21, 8 gives him a curious title. Philip the Evangelist. That's what God's holy inspired word called him. Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven. That's what Acts 21 verse 8 says. Acts chapter 6 says Philip was a deacon. Philip the deacon was obedient to Christ. And he became Philip the Evangelist. Philip the ordinary, average guy was obedient to the Lord, going where the Lord told him to go and doing what the Lord told him to do. And he was used by God to tell others about Jesus. And here's the glorious part of God's plan. He can do the exact same thing with you. He can take you to unique situations, unique places, and he'll provide you with gospel conversations, I promise. All you've got to do is trust and obey. The question is this, which one are you in the story? Are you, are you the Ethiopian who needs to be saved? Or are you the evangelist who needs to tell others how to be saved? Which one are you? What's God asking you to do this morning? He's given you a voice for a purpose and a reason. Can I make you feel really old? Nobody gave me permission to do that. I'm going to do it anyways. E.T. came out in 1982. Did that make you feel old? I was one when E.T. came out. Back in night, that makes you feel old. <laughs> Sorry about that. Back in 1982, when, um, you, when you had to find voices for these characters, you had to find someone to actually be the voice. Like today, you can use computers and do all those things. They didn't have that in 1982. And Stephen, uh, what's his name, Steven Spielberg, he could not find the right voice for E.T. I mean, like, <laughs> E.T. is a very unique-looking character, right? He couldn't find the right voice. Could you imagine if E.T. had the voice of James Earl Jones? just wouldn't work. And so one day, one of the, one of the film, uh, he was a technician, he was in a store, and he hears this, this voice this raspy voice coming from a woman named Pat Welsh. 
And he asked Pat to audition. Could you be, I don't know if this is a compliment or not, could you be the voice of an alien? <laughs> and Pat came to the audition, and lo and behold, E.T. had found his voice. And now Pat's voice is iconic. You know the scene, right, where he's pointing to the moon, and he says, E.T., phone home. That's the voice of Pat Welsh. She had the perfect voice for the job. And what I want you to know is that the Lord has given you the perfect voice for the job that he's given you. I mean, it's perfect. He has given you a job, a task. He's asking you to do something, and he has given you the perfect voice to be used by him for his glory. And so the challenge is this, be obedient. Do what he's asking you to do. Go where he tells you to go. Do what he tells you to do. Say what he tells you to say. And just watch and see how the Lord will use your voice to share his story in unique situations and unique places, all for his glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, I hope this message has been a blessing to you and perhaps even the Lord has spoken to you and revealed to you something that he's been asking you to do. And what I want to encourage you to do is be obedient. It is always the best idea to say yes to God. Whatever he's asking you to do, he will give you the grace to do it and the ability to do it. You just say yes. Hey, if I can help you in any way, don't feel, don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me, pastor at fbcmoberly.org. I will get those emails directly in my inbox. Or you can call our church office, 263-5351. Browse around our website. We have some free resources there for you. We have a Bible reader packet um, and some other information there for you. If you have a prayer request, you can send one through our website. That's fbcmoberly.org. And if you live in the Moberly area, we would love to have you join us for worship. We meet every Sunday morning right here at First Baptist Church, 514 West Rollins at 1045 a.m. God bless you. Hope you have a great rest of your week. 